talking about the two kinds of contact, two bases of contact. Mm. So there's the contact which is just the sense of an external object striking a sense base, something touches the eye or the skin or the ear, there's registers, and that's kind of called resistance impression. So something just happens, and knowing something happens. And the second kind of contact is what, how the, the chitta resonates with that. It's called a designation impression, how the, how the chitta receives that. So is it, is it discerned as pleasant, unpleasant, first thing, and, or neutral? And then what, what does it mean? So in this second kind of contact, designation contact, is where the, the um, impression is registered, photographed, if you like, and then we attend to that. Um, that's the way we get the meaning. And that's the source of suffering and joy. Because we can find that something seems unpleasant and we stick on that, attention sticks on it and then it becomes very unpleasant and why is this happening to me and after all I've done and so forth. So it it becomes intensely unpleasant. The mind just (coughs) then weaves or this process of papuncture called proliferation or diversification and then that effect is then you know, brought, brought back into the external realm we act, speak and such things based upon that so it's in this internal quality that um, suffering arises And the um, quality of, of joy is a kind of lightness of contact, lightness of designation. Things are just we're allowed to be touched. Things don't have to be held, treasured, you know, stored up, or um, brooded over. There's a quality of lightness that can occur if the jitta is is dis. The disposition of the jitta is bright, strong, uh, skillful. Then in uh, meditation you can focus or attend to that quality of, of lightness or clarity. Um, and this brings around um, samadhi. It's called concentration. <coughs> difference between the word concentration is, is rather inadequate one, in, in my opinion, because it, we use it very usually, you know, to you know, concentrate on crossword puzzle, or concentrate on on um, you know cleaning an engine or something like. That. It just means a certain tightening and restriction of attention. Mm. It doesn't, but that, which is only a part of it, if you like. And so, if we we just go about meditation from that that position, you actually amplify and develop uh, the special qualities of samadhi, which make it different from 
ordinary concentration, certainly it's focused, but it's not focused through through just tightening attention, it's focused through quality of of uplift and the mind being, you know, absorbed or dwelling in something that feels um, joyful, bright, easeful. So this quality of piti and sukha, joy and ease, are um, determining factors of of mind of samadhi, and um, samadhi is said to be have be characterised by the quality of mindfulness. Mm. So it's defining characteristic. Was the word is nimitta, which um, means a defining mark or characteristic. So sometimes nimitta is used to mean just like a, a visual sign that you might get in your meditation. You might see a light or something, uh, or a sound, and you can use it like that, you know, to use the word that way. But um, interesting enough, the in the suttas. Said that the, the the nimitta of samadhi is is called mindfulness, so that, that's its defining characteristic. It means that the the mindfulness is you attending to something. It's very much a dispassionate, clear, um, non-obsessive quality of attention. We just touch the moment with mindfulness. And you know, it's not holding something down. It's just touching the moment. Yeah. And uh, with that, uh, the, the snagging can't occur if actually mindfulness is present. It's the snagging, the locking, the um, getting caught is where the hindrances build up. With mindfulness, um, the predominant uh, comprehension that occurs with mindfulness is of impermanence, change. Insubstantiality. That's the um, overriding characteristic of sampajanya or clear comprehension. One senses, feels, experiences things as being in flow, as being in process, as being dynamic. So if anything is experienced as solid, substantial, frozen, this means that the mindfulness and clear comprehension isn't working. So, what's concentration? And is it holding something firm, steady? It's, there's a firmness and steadiness to the quality of attention, but the object is actually light flowing. Mm-hmm. So, we might say when your uh, samadhi is based upon the experience of breathing in and out, you're not holding a breath, you're attentive to the whole light moment by moment flow experience so comes along with breathing so this is um, kaya sankara is one way it can be um, talked about so kaya sankara means a dynamic bodily process and it's defined as breathing in and breathing out is the dynamic bodily process so actually when we come into the the body as a process, as a dynamic experience, all that flow and flush and tingle and throb and pulse, etc., is actually 
from a Buddhist point of view, is actually just aspects of the breathing that's got uh, distracted or fractured or, or, or thrown around, spun out. So it, will, it can, all that can come together into just being regulated by breathing and breathing out. Mm. So we attend to the, the dynamic, the process that goes along with the breathing. And you keep uh, opening to that, letting yourself be touched by that. If like it calls, all those energies come home, so everything gathers, gathers into it. It's not purely the air. Um, the contact impressions of the air are, or the respiration are important. <coughs> Signs, uh, focal points. Place in the body will tend to establish itself where your mind feels most comfortable. The main thing is to just be aware of that, the flowing quality, the energy of it. Most of all, we experience the difficulties and suffering, hindrances in meditation, primarily on what seems to be the mental level. So for us, we often use the word mental to describe the thinking process and the emotional process. Mm. In, in the Buddhist language, these are two slightly separate, or not completely separate, but there are two aspects. One is the Thinking is the vajja, or vajji, verbal, and emotion, mood, um, that kind of felt sense experience is citta. And it, obviously it's all related and part of the same thing. And yet um, but you, you can apply and you can review um, those, the experience of mentality in that way. So when your mind is thinking a lot, try to go to what the, you know, it's buzzing away and you keep coming back to some particular topic, you sense desire, ill will, doubt, worry, restlessness, you know, however, whatever it seems to be. And you go leave the topic and try to go to the, the underlying mood of that, craving, resistance, um, agitation of like fear, fear, worry, restlessness of that kind, doubt, something just keeps stirring and nagging. Then you then you go to the to the heart the mental sign or the heart sign of that. Mostly what is needed is a kind of compassion, reassurance, steadying. Mm. It's quite a simple thing, but it, it has to come from the heart. You can't, it doesn't come from the brain. Mm. So if you're applying yourself to the heart, you apply yourself to the heartfulness, heartful response to, to suffering and stress. When you can't find that one, then you go to the body, breathing in, breathing out. So, if you like, there's kind of 
from the verbal to the emotional to the bodily. Mm. Sometimes it's just things that can be released emotionally. It's a sense of just relax. Um, mm. Lift up, lift the heart up. Take refuge, remember where you are. Mm. When you get flustered and frightened or agitated, taking refuge, the silence, presence, the precepts, the virtue that's that's with us. If you can't make that, that doesn't work. Doesn't seem to you can't find that tone, the heart is is overturned. Then to go to the, the bodily sense, this breathing all the way out, stopping, breathing all the way in, walking up and down, just feeling the body moving and walking and going to the flow of bodily experience and just let the the mental emotional stuff just steam around till it till it more or less steams itself off. You know, so you, you've got something, you place your attention in something where you can be with that sense of, of um, wholesomeness and, and lightness and flow. And that that tone helps to to loosen up the hold of the hindrance. Sometimes when you're, you're sitting in meditation and just things start to get dense or tight in the mind, and just, that, just try to feel what your body feels like. You may feel like you've got something pressing your back down or something tightening your chest up. The, the very sense of emotional tightness or constriction as a bodily co-relative. So then you go into the bodily sense of that. Can, is it possible to, to loosen? Is it possible to breathe out some of that bodily tension or denseness or constriction? To visualize. Sometimes it's quite easy to visualize these things. I sit and feel the feeling. I can feel something like a weight sitting on my back, maybe. Um, or something straps binding the head, something or something holding a tightness across the, 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 the chest. And, and what would it be like to just kind of loosen this and let go of this stuff, this physical somatic stuff? And helping to attend to the, the bodily sign as you begin to get to the fundamental quality of openness and flow again, and that can undo the logjam of the that's, that seems to be generated in the heart. So then, that um, deriving the meaning from this internal base of contact. You deepen the imagery, the meaning, the felt sense of the experience, the topic. You deepen the meaning of that and it helps you to simplify and in some ways um, bring to a simple point the um, blurring or the confusion or the distress of the heart and the thoughts. And it's just this, it's just this sense of being held, it's just this sense of 
of being crushed. It's just this sense of um, loss or spin or emptiness, and vacuity. And then that's that's where the sticking is. That's what I'm stuck in. That's the sense of it. Now, is it possible to go to the a perception, an internal sense that um, counteracts that? Where does that come from? We might say it comes from the body. We might say it comes from the just the ta- the present circumstances, space, silence, the firmness of the ground beneath, um, the sense of the company that we're in, the good company, the privilege, the quality of Buddha. You know, you're deriving the meaning from uh, a fortunate meaning. And it can take us out of the spin of the proliferating around the source, the experience of suffering and stress. This is the way you, you know, the cleaning out, which is, you know, the, the main theme of, of Buddhist practice is to is purification, is to clean away the things that are hindering us. That's very pragmatic. We're not really defining truth or ultimate reality or anything of this nature, because that's that's not up for definition. When you can def- have your own definition, you know, love, freedom, peace, nirvana, whatever it seems to be, whatever works. But the actual, you know, growth point of the practice is just that recognizing where the snagging is occurring and knowing how to undo it, suffering and, liber- and uh, ceasing of it is, is the whole hinge point. So you can, so to learn that bit, as is, as is said, you know, this, the first noble truth, no noble truth of suffering has to be thoroughly understood. So it's, conceptually, it's not that difficult you can see refinements of that, but the real understanding is is the sense of really fathoming the experience of stress, whether it's a um, you know compulsion of some kind or another, something we feel we should do or get on with or achieve or become, something we should get rid of, not have that we've missed out on, regrets, um, physical difficulties, pain, illness, fatigue. To be thoroughly understood is not um, absorbing into it in a kind of obsessive way, but what is the real meaning of this? What's the, the designation, the internal meaning of this, the real core of this. Mm. So as you you see you're actually holding the suffering a little more even when you are getting caught rather than you know being flustered by that, 
or panicking or getting negative about it, getting caught attachments of some kind or another. And wait a minute, just just really go wide focus on this. Tendency is the mind to kind of narrow down and get into its its um, spin on it, into the storyline or the why it shouldn't be like this and so forth. So your mind is narrowing down and just then it gets into the whole story of it. Just go wide focus like, here I am, you know, thinking about this or that or the other. What's really going on here? What's happening? Where's my body? What's the body saying? So with uh, renunciation, then two, two or three big things come up. One is renunciation of, uh, on a sensual level, so the sense desire. Someone gets into fantasies about objects of sense, whether it's uh, you know, sexuality, tastes, touches, sights, and things like that. Wait a minute, what's, what's really happening here? Because this, uh, when we, we when we ask to uh, put let go of something uh, that is a normal source of food for us, if you like, of excitement or joy or meaning or pleasure of some kind, then the mind is you know is conditioned to going down that that alleyway. You, you, not, you can't go there. It keeps wanting to go there. You can't go there. It keeps wanting to go there. You keep kind of, kind of butting. The mind keeps butting its head against this this wall. See, so it's kind of built up frustration and so on. What's really happening? I feel that. You probably find your body starting to get compressed. Lost the breathing. You go wide focus on that. And re-establish something that's light, easy, walking up and down. Not getting into a wrestling match with the hindrance. In a way, this is what's supposed to be happening. So you can get more fully understand how, how suffering works. It... it it catches you, then it actually fascinates. One's mind gets fascinated by it. Not in a pleasant way, but kind of hypnotized by this uh, uh, hindrance of some kind. So you, you can't see anything but hindrance. You are hindrance. Your life is it. <laughs> You're nothing but defilement. <laughs> Wait a minute. So you just go widen out, come out, you know, lighten up a bit. So it's that very, you know, shift of of attention. So you're not just continually, you know, cutting the groove of that contact impression deeper and deeper, but you're going to another kind of contact impression, the contact impression of freedom, of release, of innocence, of purity, of, you know, stillness, the joy of that. 
are being able to be free. Mm-hmm. So we're not just purely saying, I, I don't want this, I want you know, this object, I want that object, but I also, I don't like to let objects just flow through. That's the essential thing. So you don't want to lock, or then lock against, but to how to allow things to flow, even unskillful things, or things we feel we, feel we shouldn't be, or shouldn't have, or shouldn't do. First thing is to get the sense of the the flow in it, something is being breathed out here. Some habit is being ventilated. Sensory habits are extremely deeply ingrained in a in a system that is about having sense organs and sensuality. So you, you can't just expect it not to be there, but how to just kind of ventilate it and see it for what it is. This is the delight of sensuality. This is the happiness that it offers. And this is the suffering that it offers. This is the pain that it offers. This is, this is it. It's like this. If there were no happiness, people wouldn't bother with it. But as there is, people do bother with it. If, there were, um, if it could be satisfied, we'd be satisfied. But we're not. So it isn't. <laughs> so they just kind of and they keep kind of reviewing that. And then it takes you to a sense of, of lightness. You're not taking a stand against but loosening stands to go into flow. Then the heart begins to appreciate the, the truthfulness, the honesty, the straightness and the no position of that, no freedom. Then that's then that particular sign. Notice when there is that moment, or moments, or times when it's free, you feel everything's flowing live. There's tremendous potential. Nothing you have to be. Your life is not curtailed or shut down or programmed you feel free and light and the potential is there and you're present and you're not being anything you're not being me you're not being a monk or a nun you're just free feel free so you don't have to be a good monk or a good nun or doesn't mean you are you're a bad one it doesn't mean you're a bad you don't have to be a bad one either <laughs> But you can see beyond these these kind of ways the mind even takes skillful things as a kind of fixed um, reality of some kind or fixed position. And then sooner or later we find ourselves getting into suffering and stress because we can never actually be anything. That's the point. One of the main points in the Buddhist teaching is you, you can never be anything. But we keep swinging from being good to being bad to being happy to being... We're trying to find something to be. It's like you're trying to find a home. Something's trying to find that. But you can't. Because every time you... Here you are being good and then, oops, now you're not so good. (laughs) And then you are being a bit naughty and suddenly you start to be good again. 
you know, which is it going to be? You know, and so it's continually like that, is it? So the point, when you get the focus, is you can't be good or bad. The only thing you can really be is, is free. So there's be a lot of, of um, recognition of that. And notice, you know, what it's like to not be free, which is get the full feeling of that, you know. As I'm saying, the bodily sign is uh, helpful because, in a way, it's much more, you don't proliferate around it so much. There's much less sense of person built around the, the bodily impressions. One of the other ways we find ourselves trapped is the by um, kind of volitional conundrum. That is, as, as when one retreat and living in in this particular way, there's always you know things that we can't do, not because they're wrong, but just because right now we're not doing that. So maybe we're not talking, or we're not working, or we're not going out for walks or we're not going arms round or we're not and the other so you, you get a kind of that can give you the sense of being a bit imprisoned so monastery can feel like a prison rather than the place of freedom so the mind kind of sticks in there, well why can't I well, actually, surely it's alright maybe I should you know sort of thing goes on or why do I have to do this at this time what I have to do the meditation at this time, get up at this time, eat the meal at this time, you know, ring the bell at this time. Da, da, da. So it's kind of volitional, um, half Nelson one seems to be in. <laughs> so then you, you know, build up a certain amount of frustration with that, routines and forms. feel a bit depressed, hamstrung. Get the feeling of that. How um, certain moments of the day, certain defining moments of the day become kind of like a universalizing sense of it you know you, so it becomes you never or you always the mind goes on like this i always have to do this i never get that um so the mind starts to feel that kind of complaining and uh then uh, i've got to meditate no, no, i don't want to meditate you know just because i don't want to have to be in that kind of held in sense, that held in state. So then meditate, <laughs> which means just kind of, you know, div- awareness of that particular state, or that particular snagging meaning, the meaning of being trapped. 
meaning being constrained in that sense. The power is taken away from me. I am impotent, prisoner, doormat, uh, so forth. Okay, and how does that feel? Okay, the bodily sense of it. So as soon as you you can re- refer to some of these hidden meanings, these contact impressions, get them in perspective, you can sense their bodily effects and relax the bodily effects and the mind says, actually, there's nothing much to do really. From moment to moment, really, on one level, we're always free. Always free to feel um, the mood, the sensation, the impression, the thought, the drives, the frustrations, the suffering, and so forth. And in that freedom to freely sense what's going on, explore it, investigate it. We're coming down, we're undoing some very powerful programming in our minds. And with volition, the program is, I should be able to do what I want to do right now. As soon as an impulse comes up, then the, the, even though one doesn't think this way necessarily, if the impulse comes up, what it wants to do is it wants to act. That's, you know, it doesn't want to go up and then not be acted on, it wants to go up and act. That's what it, you know, boom, it arises and then do it, follow it through. That's called karma. That's what it, that's what it wants to do that. And we've been doing this for quite a long while. <laughs> and if you notice, uh, there are good results sometimes. Sometimes not such good results, good results, bad results, unpleasant results for myself or others. But the end result of all of it is there's this me there. As long as there's me there, then there's another impulse to do. And it just goes on and on and on. And there's never a fulfillment through karma, through impulse. You never find yourself feeling for it was the next thing. And a bit more. Or do it again. <coughs> or get everybody else to do it. Or something like that. And it doesn't actually complete. So when you see the, the suffering, the stress of that, the main thing to do is to understand and uh, release this sense of meanness.
so the standards and training and even the conventions in a monastery help to give one a way to to re- to recognize this kind of me quality see what it feels like and uh, learn to adjust it it's not the sh- obviously there's, a, there's a, always going to be a degree of subjectivity but can that be brought into harmony rather than just individualize in other words can I train this me just to kind of live in harmony with the situation as it changes with the customs and conventions as they change and that would be my my bit rather than the impulse is always going to be you know something that just comes out from a place of um, unknowing or habit So then there's actually a tremendous uh, potential for, in, for volition and action to, to tune it in, to be in harmony both with uh, the uh, external situation, with the body, with the breathing, with the Dhamma. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's the choice we make we make that choice because it's that which takes us to to freedom from wants and regrets So the most uh, highest form of skillful karma is just the, the karma of being mindful. That is attending, bring your attention closely onto what's actually happening in the body or the mind. Comprehending it. Releasing the stress and suffering from it. That's the, that's the bit of volition to be very conscious and take personal responsibility for. The rest of it is just roundabouts and swings. Doesn't really uh, mean very much. When it's seven o'clock or six o'clock or eight or ten or whatever. It's just suffering and cessation is the main thing to take an interest in. Sometimes it just helps when the stands back and begins to reason with oneself, just thinking something through carefully. You know, so when one's caught up in sense desire, just considering the opportunities one has and has had and other people have for fulfilling sense desire and how many people actually feel fulfilled and completed and satisfied by that. None. <laughs> or if you don't know everybody, just remember yourself. You know. Mm-hmm. No. Okay. So, and just take take that meaning home. It's not uh, scolding. It's just to really get the mind to remember properly. When uh, you have this strong kind of sense of impulse and volition. Mm. 
wanting to do is how busy human race is, human species is. Where where are they going? Where are we going? You kind of you got off the top of planet Earth, you know, and you just hovered a few miles up above the planet, and you just listened to all the plans and schemes that are going on down there. <laughs> what on earth is this species about? You know, this incredible jangle of people rushing this way and that way, you know, doing this, doing that, building this, knocking that down playing pinball, scuba diving, bungee jumping, you know, what on earth is going on? Fighting, arguing, going to resting matches, um, and so forth. Uh, where does it go? Where are, we, where are they going? And you notice the graveyards are filling up, as they say. And, uh, you know, people are going on their ways, rejoicing and weeping and gaining and losing and happy and sad and succeeding and failing and that's, that's, that's where it goes, it's just like that that's where it goes is there, an ever an, a, is there any rest, is there any release, is there any breathing out, is there any stasis and peace in all that mm. Consider it, and then the the impulse of the moment. These things come up more when there's a bit more space. One isn't doing so much. Then actually, the the motor is still there, but it hasn't got anything to run on. I can remember all the bits and pieces of things I should have done, the little sewing projects, the tidying, the fixing, the people I should have written to, and it was suddenly kind of a bubble of it, a geezer of it comes welling up. And all right, I could get on, I've got some time. <laughs> I could fix that, I could finally make that bag I fantasized about within 2001. The, the ultimate monastic bag. <laughs> Why is it coming up now? But we're not. It's not taking an ultimate stand against volition, like. But just to try to understand it, because volition impulse has got a kind of magnetic charge to it, isn't it? Like sensuality, it's a kind of attractive, glowing energy, and the energy is our fundamental food. Food for being is a, a charge, the energy of the system. So the sankara is a dynamic and energy process. If you're lit up by something, oh yeah, doesn't matter what it is, you know. So the I mean, tiddlywinks champion of the world, probably for somebody, is is like this is it, you know. I got to eat the most baked beans. You look in this Guinness Book of Records, you know. The person who ate the most baked beans in the world was, you know, Theodore Schwartz in 1942. And think, wow, that was his thing. <laughs> 1400 weight of baked beans. For that moment, 
he was Mr. Big. And uh, imagine that that, it seems ridiculous. And yet, (laughs) you know, the impulse to feel illuminated by something on a volitional level. Even your longest sitter. Where, where does it go? So it's that particular the charge of things, the rush, the flush of them is something to get the sense of space around. So you're not trying to kind of <coughs> squash and snuff out everything but if you give it things a space this kind of quality of the this charge is almost um, luminous quality instead of just going to action or sense objects or topics it it floods it kind of illuminates the whole system so it's not a particular thing it's just the presence being itself becomes something that's luminous and instead of a kind of intense hot directed thing it's, it's an all suffusive quality now you don't have to make it that way but if there's enough space and, and full awareness and careful handling of those energies that's what happens they come out of their narrow track <coughs> groove you know, onto a thing or a pursuit or an object or a memory or, or something. They come out of that and they flood the whole presence. So this is like a, a transmutation, if you like, of of desire energy, of becoming energy into uh, luminosity of presence. Where instead of becoming something in the future, we're being complete in the present. There's a heart quality to that, one feels deeply satisfied, um, fulfilled, a sense of bodily ease and relaxation, rest, clarity, compassion, these are the kind of uh, features, so luminosity is one way you can say it, you can also call it an emotional uh, poise and sensitivity, bodily balance and uh, restfulness. You may only may experience this, something like this in flashes, mm-hmm. moments of it. Whenever there's that moment of release, which is not a snuffing out or a suppression, but just opening, widening the focus, coming out of the groove of habit, letting the energy 
settled rather than be driven or crushed. And just notice that taste the moment of, of freedom. And then uh, settling in that, discerning either the, the mental tone or the bodily state or the breathing within that or the walking within that. And you can use that particular anchor as a way of, of sta- stabilizing within that experience, deepening it, um, lingering in it bringing that into the to manifest focus so the sense of suffering and stress is to be comprehended you know so awareness extended around it reviewed, investigated the place where letting go can occur a sense of dispassion and the experience of of, uh, release to be thoroughly realized Mm. 